0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, my name is Pradeep and Jeeva. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be sharing for about the next half an hour, and I, I'm just so honored that you guys are here, that you made coming to the Parlor Comedy Club on a Sunday morning a priority, just God bless you and thank you. We've been in a series called Beauty Will Save the World, and actually today's service is the last installment of that series, and next week we're starting a brand new series of uh, messages called Community, where you and I belong. We're gonna be talking about the power of community and how we can connect and how we can thaw the Seattle freeze together. Who wants to thaw the Seattle freeze? Come on, somebody. Sometimes it can be hard moving to a new city and making friends and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, Interlocking, he told me to interlock my fingers with someone. Well, we just wanna create a community where people feel like they can belong and things like that. But today, we're gonna be talking about beautiful feet Beautiful feet. Look at someone and say, hey, beautiful feet, this message is for you. <laughs> awesome. I want to read from Romans in the, in the Bible, Romans chapter 10. And we love the Bible. We love standing on the authority and foundation of Scripture. Uh, And this is what we're going to be reading this morning. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. My prayer this morning is that we as a community, we as Kalos Church, would have beautiful feet. One more time, everyone say, beautiful feet. There's this girl in middle school. Her name was Amy Devanzo, and my goodness, she had beautiful feet. Oh, God is alive and well this morning. She had beautiful feet. I'm I'm happily married right now, so I love my wife and her feet way more than this girl. This girl was a beautiful girl, and she uh, she decided to talk to me one day because. I, on a dare, asked another girl named Laura to be my girlfriend. My friend Jarvis said, hey, I heard Laura might like you, uh, and I actually like her, but I want to dare you to go on a date with her and ask her to be your girlfriend. Totally middle school. And so I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she says yes. And for about six days, she's my girlfriend, we're making (laughs) plans, we're loving life but I I didn't really want her to be my girlfriend, so I kind of ignored her, and I didn't really know how to be a good boyfriend. And this girl, Amy DeVanzo, the girl with the beautiful feet, she comes up to me at lunchtime, and she says, hey, Laura doesn't really want to be your girlfriend anymore. And so I've been sent to break up for her. (laughs) I'm like, ah, your ugly feet. Your ugly, ugly feet. That is bad news. I'm losing my girlfriend. But Amy says, hey, I want you to go to church with me. I have this, like, youth church that meets on a Wednesday night in a mini golf course. So you thought church in a county club was weird. We have church in a mini golf course. (laughs) And she says, come to church with me. And honestly, I was a pretty awkward guy, and beautiful girls were not talking to me, and uh, that is not a commentary on what Laura looks like, Okay. So hold yourselves back. But beautiful girls did not really talk to me. And so she said, come to church with me. And many of you have heard this story. And I end up going to that church and falling in love with all these amazing people who are popular and cool. And they wanted to talk to me. And they started sharing the gospel with me and my My whole life changed because this one girl, Amy Devanzo, invited me to church. And, you know, long story short, I became a pastor and started a church with my wife in a comedy club here in Bellevue because this one girl invited me to a church. And the crazy thing is, I was only invited to church one time in my whole life, and now I'm a pastor. (laughs) And it's so wild. And so when I think of Amy Devanzo, like, yeah, she was a beautiful girl, but I think of this passage in the scripture. How beautiful are the feet of those who have good news? Because I was a suicidal, depressed kid. I didn't have purpose. I didn't have friends. I didn't feel like I had a community where I belonged. But this girl decided to take time to not just break up with me <laughs> for her friend, middle school communication, but invite me to a church where I fell in love with Jesus. How beautiful feet are the feet of those who bring good news. So my prayer that is this morning that we would say, Lord, use me to have beautiful feet. Lord, I want to make a difference in someone's life. How many of you guys, just a quick survey, and this is not a rhetorical question, but how many of you guys can name the top three sermons, the titles of the top three sermons that have changed your lives? OK, that is really depressing as a, a, a preacher. <laughs> That is. (laughs) Come on. And so uh, let me let me ask you this question. How many guys can name the names of the top three people or can name the names of three people who have impacted your lives? All right. A lot more hands here. And so we see that people make a difference in the lives of people. And that we as a community are called to have beautiful feet. Yes, we can place a lot of trust in services like this. Yes, we can place our trust in someone preaching a sermon. Maybe if we get a bearded brown man who's extremely handsome to preach a message, maybe that will make a difference. (laughs) But ultimately, most of our life experiences of change and impact have been because Someone took the time to make a difference in our lives. And so my prayer is that we would be that person. That would say, hey, God, someone made a difference in my life. Someone had beautiful feet in my life. And so I want to be someone who has beautiful feet in the lives of others. Amen? And so many times when it it comes to sharing the gospel or making a difference in someone's life or making an impact, we feel a little uncomfortable or awkward. We don't know how to share our faith. We don't know how to share the gospel. We don't know how to start a conversation. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to make a weird conversation even weirder by bringing up scripture or Jesus or the gospel. But I I have a sneaking suspicion that this room is a room filled with people who want to make a difference in the lives of others. This room is a room filled with people who are saying, Lord, I do want to have beautiful feet. Lord, I do want to help, but I I just don't always know where to start. I don't know what to do. I have limited time. I didn't go to Bible school. I don't really know that I believe everything that Christianity offers. Sometimes I feel like a skeptic. Sometimes I feel like I doubt. But how can I be used to make the difference in someone else's life. Is this room filled with people who wanna make a difference? Where you're saying, hey, when people are struggling or filled without hope or are depressed or are just like really longing for some sort of answer, some sort of hope, we would say that we are a community that wants to make a difference. Because this is what the church is called to do. The church doesn't just have a mission, the mission has a Come on. So the church doesn't have a mission just in itself where we can pick what we want to do. But the mission has a church. The mission of making disciples. The mission of making known the beauty of Jesus. The mission of representing a beautiful Jesus to a broken world. This is a mission that we've accepted as the church because we are the church and we exist for the world. There are people that are depressed, are suicidal, are looking for answers, are wandering in the dark, looking for something, and we are the answer to those questions people are answering, asking, but sometimes we don't know where to start, and so I want to encourage us out of a scripture about this guy who is filled with like a thousand demons. thought this might be appropriate as we go into the Halloween season, and this is a crazy scripture in Mark 5, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and I love this story Jesus had been doing a lot of ministry, and he decides to get in a boat and go in this boat to uh, another side, uh, a place where he was going to minister to one man who really needed some hope. So starting in first one, it says, so they arrive at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones." So this is a wild story. Jesus takes his disciples, they get in a boat, they cross a lake, and they find this man who's super strong but super out of his mind. He's cutting himself with stones. He's howling all alone, and this is a wild story. And so it says, when Jesus, in verse 6 was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him with a shrieky scream. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. And uh, eventually, Jesus, he he casts these spirits out of this man, and it's wild. This guy, he gets set free from these these spirits that were inside of him that were torturing him, and uh, eventually, he's sitting there fully clothed, and I'll just go to verse 15, it says, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. So this man gets healed, he's set free, he's right in the mind, and then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, and this is kind of where I'm going to be spending the remainder of our time this morning. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. This scripture really messes with my mind a little bit. There's this man who is out of his mind, cutting himself with stones. He had been chained and snapped these chains, and people were afraid of him, didn't want to mess with him. Jesus enters the picture, and he's like, hey, I'm going to cast these demons out. I'm going to help you find healing and wholeness, and I'm going to help you be set free. And so this guy is a life that's been changed his life is full of hope and joy, and, and now he's in his right mind, and it's awesome. Are there any people here that maybe you are going through death and darkness and hopelessness, but then Jesus set you free, and he gave you a new start, and he gave you joy and hope and peace? Anybody here, am I alone in this place where Jesus set you free, and he gave you life and life abundantly? And here is this man. He's experiencing a fresh start, a new start, and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to get in the boat with you. I will go with you. I'll I'll be your disciple. I'll go where you're going. I'll say what you're saying. I'll do what you're doing. Just let me get in the boat with you. And we're expecting Jesus to say, yes, come and follow me. Yes, you can be my disciple. Pick up your cross and follow me. Like, go where I'm going. Help me. Get on the mission. You need to sit at my feet. But Jesus does something that's really, really kind of mind-shattering. It kind of bends what you think Jesus would say. He says, no, go home. Go home. I I don't really want you to get in the boat with me. And this is crazy because we would think, He's supposed to, like, follow Jesus and go with him, but he doesn't. Jesus immediately sets this guy on mission. He immediately says, no, go to your family and share everything that you've experienced as far as freedom and hope. No, I want you to go. And there's this reality that I really want to emphasize, even in the infancy of Kalos Church as we start a culture, Many of us have experienced life change. Even in this room, many people have experienced Jesus change your life. You feel like you've gotten a new start. And sometimes when we enter a life with Jesus, we enter a relationship with Jesus, we tend to get inward focus. And we want things to be all about catering us we want the sermons to be all about, I want to go deeper, or I want, I want to learn more. And we, we, we're sick of like just having the, the basics of Christianity, just the milk. We want, we want to learn about all these in-depth things. But Jesus, instead of saying, hey, follow me, and I'm going to unravel all these mysteries of faith, he says, I immediately want you to go. And it's, it's really wild that this mindset really ends up setting a whole town up for a ministry success. You know, in the same way, we felt like that God called us, you know, Amritha and I and a small team from Michigan, we had seen God move in an amazing way in Michigan. We were youth and young adult pastors there for a number of years, about five, and we had a church on a dirt road in between an apple orchard and a Christmas tree farm. We were in a city that didn't have a public school in it, it actually wasn't a city. Where we lived was called Highland Township, okay? So we weren't even in a town. We were in a township. And as we saw this ministry grow, we would, we would see our young adults gathered by the hundreds at times. We would see our teenagers grow up to groups of 1,200 when he threw our big events. And we saw God do something amazing as brown people in Highland Township, Michigan. We saw a move of God that was really special. But it was during that time, Amritha and I, my wife, we felt like the Lord speak to us, saying, hey, you could have this ministry success here. You could have financial stability here in Michigan. You could just, like, do what you know what to do. But I'm calling you to go and move to Bellevue and make known the beauty of Jesus and create a beautiful church. And honestly, like, we had just had our first child, we didn't make a lot of money, and we knew by moving to Washington, we were going to lose more than half our income, and we we're like, Lord, what are you doing? We know we're called to plant a church, but like, we don't know anybody in Washington. Lord, we know how expensive Washington is. We know that it's a totally different culture. Like, how are we gonna afford anything? We don't even know if we can uh, afford a cup of coffee, things are so expensive. Keep in mind, in Michigan, there are parts, in Detroit and Flint, I looked this up, you can buy a house for a dollar, okay? You'll get murdered, but you'll die a homeowner. You'll die, come here, come on, can we give Jesus a round of applause for home ownership? (laughs) And we're like, Lord, can we just stay in the safe little bubble where we know how to live, where we know how to do ministry, where we can just sit at the feet of Jesus? But it was during that time we, start to began, we began to unravel a revelation that we think was the Lord. And it's this whole idea that if you want to sit at the feet of Jesus, you need to go where his feet are going. If you want to just sit at the feet of Jesus, if you want to grow in intimacy, you want to grow knowledge and depth. If you want to sit at the feet of Jesus, you need to go where his feet are going. And for us, we felt called to Bellevue. That's where Jesus was going. We felt like God was about to do something amazing here in Bellevue, that God has an amazing plan in Bellevue, that God is breathing on Bellevue, that God sees the people of Bellevue, and he has a plan and a hope and a promise for all of those who are stuck in this Seattle freeze, all those who have recently moved here and they're looking for purpose and looking for direction. We felt like the feet of Jesus were traveling to Bellevue, and we said, Jesus, more than our comfort, we want to do what you're saying if you want to sit at the feet of Jesus you have to go where his feet are going and so we we left our comforts and we came here not because we're the heroes of the story and we came to save Bellevue because we're saying Jesus whatever you want we want Jesus where you're going we're going what you're saying we're saying and as we want to have beautiful feet we must have a commitment to say hey Jesus it's not just about me and you It's about your people, your calling, your passion, and what you love, I love. And Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people. We cannot keep the message and the beauty of Jesus to ourselves. Keeping it a secret is not an option. Amen? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And I I love it. As we've shared the hope and we've explained it, we've seen miracle after miracle, even here in Bellevue. We're only in our fifth week here of services in the Parlor Comedy Club. And get ready to give Jesus some glory. We've already seen over 50 people raise their hands saying, Jesus, I'm going to choose to follow you. Come on, can we give it up for Jesus? 50 people are saying, I need hope. I need a change. The way I'm living isn't working anymore. So Jesus, I'm raising my hand in this moment. I want that pastor to pray for me. We've had over 50 people raise their hands in this room saying, I need the beauty of Jesus in my life. And we've had over almost 50, not quite, we've had almost 50 people go through our Kalos crash course where we talked about our mission and our vision. Almost 50 people say, hey, I want to be a part of making known the beauty of Jesus. I don't wanna keep this faith to myself. I wanna make a difference. I love it. You know, we, we had dinner with this couple that reached out to us last week, and uh, I think they're here, and uh, this young man, I won't name his name because I didn't ask if I had permission to share it publicly, but this young, this young man shared with me, and he said, hey, I just wanna let you know that I'm so thankful that Kalos Church exists here. I'm so thankful for the launch team. I'm thankful for all who are setting up early and tearing up after service, tearing up, tearing down after service. I'm so thankful because um, I was sitting in these chairs in this comedy club, and for the first time in my life, God spoke to me, and he said, I have a plan for you. I made you on purpose, and I'm going to do great things through you. And he said, Pradeepin, Amrita, that's the first time in my life. I ever felt like I had a purpose. It's the first time in my life I ever felt like God wanted to use me to make a difference. And I'm just so proud of what God is doing here in this place. And you know, there's people in this room, maybe you've never felt like God had a plan for your life, but I just want to speak to every single person here and let you know that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. That there are lives on the other side of your obedience, there's lives on the other side of your relationship with Jesus that are gonna be impacted as you say yes to the gospel, saying, hey, I'm not just gonna stay in my comfort zones, but Lord, I will go where you send me. God has a plan for you, amen? Amen. And many times we we think like, my goodness, but I, I don't feel qualified to share the gospel. I didn't go to Bible school, I didn't go to seminary. I don't know as much as some people know about the gospel. I want to tell you something. When I first started getting involved with the church, Amy DeVanzo, the girl with the beautiful feet, she brought me to church. She got me involved with the band. And so I started drumming with the worship band, which was a disaster. I didn't know what tempo was. I literally did not know what tempo was. I did not know how to play quietly. There were times where I duct taped This this is embarrassing. I duct taped the sticks to my hands because my hands would get so sweaty, I would lose the drumsticks in the middle of the set because I was so nervous, okay? It was horrible. It was horrible. And sometimes I would break a stick and now I have a broken stick duct taped to my hand. Horrible, horrible. So Taylor, you did great on the drums. Can we give a round of applause for Taylor? Killing it! Killing it! Did you have to use duct tape this morning? I opted for no duct tape. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, I wasn't even a follower of Jesus Christ yet. I was just loving being in the band. I love this community that loved me and accepted me. And uh, they began to do what they called street witnessing. And that was when you share your faith or share the gospel, share the story of Jesus Christ. So we would go to the streets and go to gas stations and we would say like, hey, What's your name? Can I share the gospel with you? And people would be like, this is weird. And uh, I would go to random people, and this was before I was a Christian myself, and I would say, hey, I wanna tell you the gospel. And people would say, okay. And uh, I remember I led six people to Christ in a gas station before I was even a follower of Jesus myself. (laughs) And many times we feel like, oh Lord, I'm just not capable to share the gospel. I'm so intimidated. I don't have what it takes. I don't have all the answers that, you know, I think I would need before I can share the gospel or share my faith or share my life change. I just wanna let you know, if I could do it as someone who isn't even a Christian, I think you can do it as well. And also this guy who is filled with over a thousand demons, he gets set free and immediately Jesus says, I think you're ready to preach. (laughs) I think you're good to go. Can you imagine that? I mean, you guys aren't filled with a thousand demons, maybe like 50, but not a thousand. <laughs> Anybody more than 50? Don't answer that. All right. <laughs> I mean, you guys, I think, are, are much more capable than this man who is filled with a thousand demons or more <laughs> to share the gospel. And I just want to encourage you, don't disqualify yourself. Don't, don't let yourself tack you out of your future because of your past, Okay. Don't let you talk yourselves out of your future because of your past. There's something amazing that you have to offer. And yeah, to the world, you might just be one person. But to one person, you just might be the world. Come on. Don't disqualify yourself. You have what it takes to share the gospel. You are ready to share the gospel. Share your hope. Share your experiences. Share your life. There are people in this place, you're like, if you knew how broken I was on the inside, if you knew the thoughts that were going through my mind, you'd say, Pradeepan, you you just don't understand. I don't have what it takes. But I want to let you know that you do have what it takes in Christ. As you give your life to Jesus, you're more than capable. You're more than enough to share the gospel. God doesn't just call the qualified. He qualifies the called okay? And as we say, yes, it's not just about your ability. If you want another cheesy quote, here it is. God doesn't need your ability. He wants your availability. And if God can use someone that had just recently been filled with a thousand demons, who's cutting himself with stones, who's chained up to immediately share the gospel, how much more can God use you? You know, in 33 AD, just talking about church history, there are about 100 and 20 followers of Jesus and these are like uneducated Normal people some maybe were educated a lot were fishermen and they didn't really know what they were doing in 3380 there are about hundred and twenty followers of Jesus. This is the very beginning of Christianity in 180 biblical historians estimated that the world had 25,000 Christians they were sharing their faith now in 310 AD, just uh, 200 years after this, 25,000, how many Christians do you guys think that there were on the earth by 300 AD? Any guesses? Shout it out if you have a guess. How many Christians? A million. A million? Any other guesses? 100,000. 100,000, good. Let me get two more guesses, and then I'll move on. 200. So they shrunk. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. Nothing. All right. So Christianity ceased to exist. A million, millions. All right. So, so in, in 100 A.D. there are 25,000 Christians, and biblical historians estimate by 310 A.D. with uneducated regular people, people who at you know at a maximum spent three and a half years being discipled by Jesus. Uh, by 310 A.D. it grew to 20 million followers. So this thing, with regular people, people who didn't have Bible school back then, because they didn't have a Bible back then, (laughs) they were able to successfully share the gospel until there was 20 million people. And I'm just saying, if this guy filled with demons could do it, if these uneducated people who didn't even know they're called Christians yet could do it, how much more can we do it? Especially when we consider The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us as believers in Jesus Christ. How many of you guys feel called to make a difference? How many of you guys want to make known the beauty of Jesus? How many of you guys are saying, I'm not going to talk myself out of the impact Jesus has called me to make anymore? I'm not going to listen to these voices that say, I'm not good enough because Jesus says, I have been given the authority to share the gospel. And if God did it back then, he can do it again. Amen? And so I just want to propose to you guys that sharing your faith, having beautiful feet, how beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news of the gospel, of the beauty of Jesus. I think sharing your faith doesn't have to be the scary thing because there's a fancy word for sharing your faith that's called evangelism. Everyone say evangelism. And this is a word that oftentimes Christians and non-Christians hate. You know, we don't want to be that guy that, you know, has a sign up that says God hates everyone in the world. We don't want to be someone that's forcing religion down someone. You know, we, we don't want to be associated with that. But I really believe that evangelism and sharing our faith can be made beautiful again. And that we could be made known as a community that has beautiful feet and not ugly feet. Look at someone and say, hey, I think you have beautiful feet. It's awkward. <laughs> and I, I just want to propose to you guys that sharing your faith can be as easy as writing a review online. All right, anybody buy things on Amazon? I, I, I'm obsessed with Amazon right now. And it's, it's, I'm literally wearing a $3 watch right now their phone on Amazon, I was like, that is so cheap. Why wouldn't I buy that? (laughs) $3, people, man, that is cheap. And uh, I've been buying all these items and I have all these things on on my add to your shopping list and my wife is like, you gotta stop buying stuff on Amazon. I just bought some Bluetooth speakers for like 19 bucks. They're sweet. And uh, recently I, I asked these people online on my Facebook, I said, hey, what's been something you've bought in online? or bought in in general, that's been a game changer. And by the way, bought in is a word, but you shouldn't use it as a verb, it should be, you know, so what is something store bought in? You could say that. But what's something you, you got that, that's that been a game changer in your life? And so I got 62 comments, and now I want to buy everything. I want to get a Sonicare toothbrush, $3 watches, I've already bought Bluetooth speakers, which are awesome, and. Uh, And when I buy things online or just in general, if I go to a restaurant, how many of you guys are like me where you look at all the reviews and it takes you like 40 minutes to go to any restaurant because you want to make sure it's the right restaurant. Is there anybody, can we be vulnerable in this place? Anybody like me? So I find myself just, looking at all these reviews to see what other people's experiences were like to see if I want to try it for myself. And uh, as I was scouring the internet for some reviews and things like that, I want, to, I want to show you this milk. Can we, have you guys ever seen milk before? Can we give it up for milk in this place? You guys like milk? Where are my lactose intolerant people? Come on, somebody. All right, lactate, I know about that world. All right, so here is milk. Everyone say milk. Ooh, read this review. All right, has anyone else tried pouring this stuff over dry cereal? Awesome. (laughs) I love the reviews online. All right, put that horse head up here. All right, horse head. All right, uh, all right, let's let's, let's look at this review. All right, the biggest question I get asked is, why do you have that? I simply reply, why don't you have one? And gallop away and eat some grass. (laughs) Some great reviews online. And I believe sharing your faith can be as easy as writing one of these reviews. All right, let's do another one. All right, so Oakland County Jail, so boring here. You seriously feel like you're trapped in a cage with nothing to do. I don't see what all the fuss is about. (laughs) The jail was very nice and well clean. The cops were very friendly. The beds are also very comfortable. It is worth going to jail. Yeah, these people are eager to share their experience. All right, let's get that shoe one up here. All right, look at these shoes. I just got these shoes last week and I've been wearing them around the house pretty much every day. The best part is I can flip pancakes with them. (laughs) Love it, all right. These shoes are amongst the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. That's not the best part, however. On winter days, when I really don't want to go to work, I quite often drag my feet on the way to the car. Thanks to these new super shoes, I can shovel the pavement while I walk. A must-have for anyone who hates the repetition of snow shoveling or has sideshow bob feet. <laughs> Simpson's reference. And so we have people who are eager to write reviews online. And so sometimes with sharing our faith, we're intimidated. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that awkward person. But this is what Jesus tells the guy who was formerly filled with demons, cutting himself with rocks, shackled. He says. Now go home to your family. He says this in verse 19. Now go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And band, you guys can come up. But I really believe that just like we saw these funny reviews and just like before we make a purchase, For buying something online or going to a restaurant there are people who are looking for purpose and looking for hope and before they just buy into something they're going to want to check out your review they want to know your experience and so there's a whole world out there that they are looking for jesus i truly believe it but we've seen misrepresentations that make jesus look so ugly make the church look so ugly and as we've been talking about a beauty that will save the world I believe that as we share what we've experienced, how God has had compassion on us, how God has given us a fresh start and hope and love and joy, that people will believe like, this is the beauty that can save my world too. Amen? I just want to propose to you that would you share your experience with Jesus? Would you tell someone what you've experienced? You don't have to argue theology. You don't have to prove a point. Just share with people what you've experienced. And sometimes with evangelism or sharing your faith, we make things super complicated. But I just want to challenge you to do this. Three stories. Get coffee with someone and ask them about their story. Genuinely be interested in people. Because you don't, you don't have to like, you don't, you don't have to be like someone to reach them with the gospel, but you have to like someone to reach them with the gospel. And I just want to encourage you, number one, Share, ask for someone to share their story with you. Number two, if they're talking about themselves, they're going to feel awkward about talking themso- about themselves too much. They're going to ask you about your story. And just do this, share your story and lead into sharing God's story, three stories about how God had compassion on you, how God made a difference in your life. And I believe that As sharing our our faith is as easy as writing a review on Amazon. I believe that as we share our faith, people's lives will be changed. You know, this room, man, is filled with amazing people and we're a brand new church, but I I just really have a vision to see this room just packed with people's lives who are being changed. People are saying, hey, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know hope. I didn't know love. But now I do. Because someone said, hey, (laughs) I had the most amazing experience with Jesus. You want to hear about it? Hey, uh, I used to be a drug addict, but I got set free. Do you want to hear my story? And as we share our experience, I believe that there are whole cities and families and people who need hope that are going to find it. And uh, I just, you know, I want to read the stat and close with the story. It says, the North American Mission Board, (NAM) and LifeWay research found that 67% of Americans say a personal invitation from a family member would be effective in getting them to visit a church. A personal invitation from a friend or neighbor would effectively reach 63%. You know, if you wanna make a difference, I say lead people to Jesus. Do you have to bring someone to this gathering for them to encounter Jesus? No, you don't, but we need to do something. If you want to make a difference, you want to pass on your legacy, if you want to have beautiful feet, I recommend just share your faith with someone. Let them know about Jesus. If you're not ready to share your faith, you're just not in a place, I encourage you, invite them to this service where we can make known the beauty of Jesus together as a beautiful community. You know, there is a time in my life where I didn't know Jesus. In fact, I wasn't a Christian until I was in high school. And I remember I I was suicidal and depressed, and um, Amy brought me to church, and I I decided to follow Jesus for myself, and it it made a huge difference. And uh, as I became a follower of Jesus and experienced your life, I remember one of the first things that came in my life, though, was anger, this feeling of anger. Because there was this guy I saw at a church, and he seemed like a leader, and I was like, I recognize him. He goes to my school. And his name was Nate, and I walked up to Nate, and I go, hey, how long have you been a Christian? He's like, oh, my whole life. I was like, so you knew that Jesus can help you? Like, Jesus can make you have true life and life abundantly? He's like, oh, yeah, amen, brother. I was like, did you know I was going to commit suicide just a couple months ago? Did you know that, like, my mom is living out of a car right now? That our house just got foreclosed on, and, like, we're desperate. And, like, for the last couple of years, I I didn't have any hope. I was like, why didn't you share the gospel with me? Why didn't you at least invite me to church? Why didn't you just try? He's like, well, I, I just didn't know if I would offend you, and I, I didn't want to make a big deal. I was like, how dare you? Like, what if I would have committed suicide? Like, like, what if I thought there was no hope in this world? Like, why couldn't you have just taken like 30 seconds to invite me out to coffee or share your faith? Why didn't you even try? And he's just like, I'm so sorry. And, you know, that shaped my life. And I've really experienced so much life change from Jesus that I made this decision. I want to share this with as many people as possible because people need Jesus, amen? People need hope. And I, I just want us to make a commitment to say, Jesus, let us be a community that has beautiful feet. Can we just say that real quick? Jesus, let us be a community that has beautiful feet. Jesus, we just repent if we've kept this faith to ourselves. But Lord, we, we want to share a review of you. Lord, you're amazing, you're wonderful, and we want to let everybody know. And you know, if you're in this place and maybe you don't know what we're talking about, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, to experience this fresh start, this forgiveness, this hope. Maybe, maybe you're in this place and you used to have a hope in Jesus, but you've kind of strayed away. I just want to give everyone an opportunity to say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. The way I'm living my life isn't working. I want to surrender to Jesus and live by his ways. I want to receive forgiveness and hope. I want that in my life too. I want to follow Jesus. So let's close our eyes in this moment and bow our heads. And if that's you in this place and you're saying, hey, Pastor Pradeepin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want a fresh start. If that's you in this place on the count of three, would you lift up your hand so I can see it and then just put it down? And Nobody's looking around. This is a moment between you and God. But if you're in this place and you say, Pastor and pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just please lift your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand up. That's awesome. Hands all around. I'm so proud of you for making that decision. Hey, let's, let's pray this prayer together. There's some words on the screen. And I'm just going to lead you all. I saw about four people raise their hands saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want us all to pray this together with them. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose to follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I've made mistakes. Please forgive me. And help me turn from my old ways forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause in here? Man, I love that. You know, for those of you who raise your hand saying, I want to follow Jesus, I just want to encourage you that we don't want you to walk on this journey alone. On your chairs, there's little connection cards. Please fill those out. Please fill those out. And we're going to pass a bucket around in a little bit. And we want you to put those cards in the bucket. And if you're here for the first time, um, please also fill out those connection cards and place them in the bucket so we can do life together. We don't want to be a community that just, you know, it's just butts and seats, but we want to walk together. So please fill out those connection cards as well. And man, I love it. Let's sing about the beauty of Jesus. God's doing amazing things, and we will declare the beauty of Jesus to a world who needs it. Let's stand to our feet. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing. And so we sing about your beautiful name.